Hey everyone, Justin here with White Tail Theories Podcast on the mic. We have a special guest today, Surfside Field staff member Josh Dixon. What's going on, Josh? Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, enjoying the month of November. Sweet November. So that's actually why we're getting Josh on the horn here is because I was in Minnesota this past weekend. um, Having to take a look on Facebook on our private hunt team page um, and no other than I see is uh, Josh over here with a freaking monster buck, just an absolute Iowa tank. Um, so wanted to get him on here, kind of tell the story to everyone. Um, but man, that was a that was a heck of a buck, bro. Yeah, man, he was he was an absolute giant. Uh, definitely my biggest to date, um, and it's it's just been an incredible experience. And and I still struggle with the words on uh, on how exactly to describe it. It's, uh, you know, I could, I could go on for hours. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're definitely going to dive into it here. But kind of the icebreaker here, just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, um, we kind of start off the episode with uh, how you got into hunting. Um, so let's dive into that. How did uh, how did you get into this tradition of hunting? Um, well, it started pretty early in my life. I'm want to say i know i took my hunter safety course when i was eight years old um and and i'm you know 33 now so looking at 25 plus years uh that i've been enjoying this sport it's uh and it's just been every minute of it has been awesome um i would say that what really got me into hunting was uh it's probably my dad and my grandpa i know they were big they were big hunters um i know my grandpa used to uh they used to have a bunch of blinds and stuff down on uh, like Red's Landing over in Calhoun County in Illinois. Uh, so he used to do that when he was a kid, and he kind of got me into that, a little, little bit of waterfowl hunting. Uh, my dad definitely got me into the deer hunting. Um, started out, obviously, you know, shotgun hunting. And um, uh, he really got me into uh, looking at, at bow hunting. You know, we used to do uh, a few hunts together, and my brother got real big into, into bow hunting. Um, so kind of going, going along with him and, and checking out all the things that they did, you know, through their life, it just got me into it, uh, pretty heavy and it's just grown ever since and grows every year. Now, now where do you primarily hunt at? Do you stay in Illinois or do you like to venture everywhere? Uh, so mostly Illinois, I've almost exclusively hunted uh, Illinois. Um, however, my first deer that I ever took, uh, I think I was 14, um, hunting by myself, uh, was actually down in Florida. So I lived in Florida for a couple of years, oh, nice. uh, like my freshman, sophomore year in high school. Um, so me and my dad would, uh, we'd go up there and it was actually muzzleloader season. So that was, that was my first year experience. And I was, you know, if I wasn't hooked before, I was absolutely hooked after that. You know, and um, I tell her it was, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it was, you know, it was probably one of the smallest bucks, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> I think they ended up, they actually had, uh, one of the game wardens come out and they took the jaw out and uh, he aged it a two and a half year old deer, but it was basically a little spike with a little bitty kicker off of it. And I was just as proud as could be. You know, those deer, I live in Florida, I hunt Florida. And when I go to other States, obviously the deer are on a different level, but you know, it's, it's just something about them. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm telling you, like I, I, I would bet money on it. Like if you come down here and you can successfully take a deer um, especially on, on, on public land, uh, the private ones will give you a run for your money too. You know, I honestly, sure. there's not much difference except they're a little easier to pinpoint. I wouldn't even say easier. I'd be there a little, 
Um, it, you can pinpoint them with a little more success, you know, if you do have bait piles or, or plot or whatever. But, um, you right, know, I tell right. people all the time, I'm like, man, like if you can do that, it's it's crazy how you don't see TV shows and stuff come down here. I tell people, I'm like, that's for a reason because they'd be down here for two months trying to get one. And and then, you know, it, it's just something about that southern, I always think it's, you know, that southern uh, area just seems for some reason the pressure is just... It's different. It's like they they know up north, but they also know down here, and it's just they don't get very big. So it's you're kind of battling that. You know, it's vegetation Absolutely. year round. So that's awesome, man. I would if if my first year was a Florida deer, it was a spike too, but it was a Virginia spike, and it was way bigger. It looked like freaking it was almost a two hundred pound deer, you know, with these little two little spikes on it, but. Um, right. you know, Florida's a different level, man. I, I think that's crazy. And, and now you're up in Illinois, so that's definitely a, a huge difference. I mean, you guys got some of the best deer hunting, um, you know, in the U S up there in that area. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, world-class deer, obviously, I think everybody kind of, when they, you know, all hunters, when they think of Illinois, they think of big deer and, and it really is, you know, you can, and you can find them you know, anywhere across the entire state, whether it's public or private ground, you know, you might have to dig a little deeper when you get in that public ground, but I mean, that's, that's 90% of the fun on that. Everybody loves that adventure. That's, uh, that's what we go for. Now, I think I said Iowa in the beginning. I, I can't remember, but was this an Illinois buck or Iowa? It was Illinois. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. I, I, I no, get the no, dyslexia okay. kicks in with the eyes, but, um, so let's dive into that, man. I'm, I'm really curious. I'll let you kind of just take it away here and, and start where you think you'd like to start and kind of tell us about how this, how this, uh, adventure unfolded. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of exactly what it was. Um, you know, the piece that I was actually hunting was private ground. Um, it is family owned. Um, it's, it's a, tough piece um you know in total it's it's like 80 acres um but it's it's broke up a lot there you know there's 11 acres of tillable um 35 acres of crp um some of it's some big oak draws and with some rolling hills um but the best hunting on it is actually in you know the smallest part of of like bottomland timber down by a creek and it's only about a total of maybe five acres of timber um, but I, I, you know, I'd set some cameras up there and I, I could see good deer moving through. Um, so I figured, you know, this is going to be my best chance at, um, you know, getting onto a really good buck. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I did, uh, you know, a little bit of scouting and I had a few cameras set up and actually, oddly enough, this, this particular deer, I had only gotten pictures of one time on October 2nd, uh, about seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and I didn't really, the picture that I got of him, I didn't really put him as being that big of a deer. I put him at maybe 150 to 160 inch, um, 60 inch deer. And he's absolutely blew me away whenever I seen him on the ground. It was, uh, <laughs> I mean, not, not what I was expecting at all, but, um, you know, the day, um, uh, it was November 2nd and, uh, you know, I had hunted out there, uh, I think only twice before this particular hunt. Um, and we had went in, I was out actually out there, um, with my uncle, we were cutting some wood, cutting and splitting, loading up a trailer. I brought that home and, uh, whenever we got done splitting, I went out and I hung, uh, hung a stand 
just kind of tucked it into the timber about 10 yards off that crp and uh you know just kind of let it go i hunted it that next morning and that evening after we hung it november 2nd comes around and i'm out back splitting wood and uh my uncle texts me and he's like so he's like you really ain't gonna get uh ain't gonna get on them big world-class whitetail splitting all that wood doing all this work i'm like all right so i finished up what i was doing i packed up the truck and i headed up there and just kind of surprised him and uh you know i wasn't thinking much of it i mean it was you know it, it felt like a like an early fall day it was 75 degrees out good south wind which is about the only wind that i could really hunt this property on and uh you know it didn't take a whole i didn't take any of my filming gear with me or anything like that i wasn't didn't plan on it being, you know, a spectacular hunt like it turned out to be, but um, just kind of your, your run of the mill. I wanted to go get out in the woods and hopped up in that stand and I got set up and it's just, uh, I mean, it was, it was just kind of your run of the mill hunt. You know, like I said, I wasn't expecting anything out of this. Uh, probably got up there about three o'clock, I think. Um, you know, I got in real quiet, you know, I did all my normal, my, my normal breakdown, you know, I went through all my gear, make sure I got everything I needed. Um, you know, did a little spray down, uh, walked out in a t-shirt cause I didn't want to get sweating. Um, I got up in the stand and, you know, it was pretty, pretty dead for the most part. Um, so I would say probably about five o'clock five o'clock i had a small um small little spike buck about 100 yards behind me kind of dips into the timber heading towards the creek and i didn't think nothing of it and he disappears and i'd say probably about 30 minutes later um you know we're getting to that prime time that mega buck hour that's what i like to call it and uh i hear this grunt in front of me probably about 60 70 yards and some real thick you know real thick briars we're in a kind of a bottom ground it's like a maple flat coming right off of a creek and there's a there's a big briar patch pretty thick out in front of me uh and i hear a grunt so i'm like all right you know we're, we're getting to that hour it's good we're gonna have some deer showing up here soon i hope i hear another one i'm like okay i figured all right i'm gonna grab my grunt tube I'll, i'm gonna grunt back at him so i hit it once and that that little spike buck pops out immediately and comes running up right to me you know, I'm facing south. He comes running up to the west of me, right at about 15 yards in my in one of my clear shooting lanes. And there's just a small tree about eight inches around. He stops there, and his he just locks up, and his ears point forward. I'm like, okay, he's looking at something, and he's looking right in that direction where I heard that grunt come from. So, I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, all right, something's coming, something's coming. And the next thing I know this little buck starts backing up and I just see this massive, massive rack just emerge out of that big brush pile oh, man. Uh, out of them briars. And I mean, instantly probably shaking more than I think I ever have. I mean, almost enough to where, you know, luckily I'm, I got my, I got my harness on and I am tied to the tree. You know, everybody's got to be safe about that. I'm, I was not big on that, but I am now. Um, you know, especially over the last few years, having kids and stuff. That's uh, right, right. That's, that's what it, that's what it boils down to. I was the same way, man. When you when you have responsibilities and people rely on you, you kind of got to start doing some things you don't like. Right, right. Can't just be thinking about yourself can't, all the time. You know? For sure, <laughs> for sure. 
so anyway, I mean, I, you know, this, this rack just emerges out and I'm, I'm shaking to death and I reach over with my left hand and I slip my wrist sling, grab my bow. And right at that time, that, that little buck backs up enough to where I know I can stand up and this, this big buck is coming in front of me. He's behind some trees and some more brush. So I stand up and I draw back on him and he's still, he's still moving in and he comes right into that open shooting lane where that little buck was first standing right at like 14 and a half, 15 yards. And I, you know, I wanted to give him the old meh, you know, get him to stop, but I didn't, I, I don't know why I was just kind of in the mode, in the zone. I mean, everything was starting to go slow motion for me and I've been drawn back for about 30 seconds now and he stops, but he stops with his, you know, his rack and his head, his neck, and that front part of his brisket right behind that single eight inch tree that I had in that shooting lane. So I knew if I was going to shoot this, I would have to go you know, as close to that tree as possible. And, you know, unfortunately that's what I choked on. So I, I you know, I, I released this arrow and I seen it go through and I knew it was not a great hit from the minute that I hit the deer. Um, but any, I mean, you know, clean pass through, I could see my light and knock going off on the other side and he just kind of bounds off two steps out to about 25 yards behind some more brush. And he's just standing there and I'm watching, I can see the entry hole and I can see the exit hole on the other side, start to pour out a really, really dark, almost look black, um, just big old blood clot. I'm like, okay, that's liver. I know what a liver shot looks like. That's liver. It's a fatal shot, but I know I knew instantly I had to give this deer time. Uh, so as he's moving, I'm, I'm knocking another arrow. I'm like, are you still close enough? I think I can get another shot. I think I can get another shot. He gets into one clearing and I'm kind of bouncing around. I'm looking over the left side of my, I'm facing the tree at this point. Cause he's going, working behind me. Never takes off running. He's walking the whole time, kind of hunched over. So I, you know, that's pretty indicative of a, you know, a, a liver or a gut shot. Um, and he's just walking real slow and he gets to one little opening and he's probably about 30 yards and I'm, dipping down and I, I ended up kneeling down on the platform of my stand trying to get off a second shot and then he moves again so I had to you know uh, let the arrow down and I stand back up and I get over to the right side of the tree and I'm trying to I draw back again and now he's out at about 40 yards and uh, I'm trying to get around to the right on the right side of the tree and bobbing and weaving and my bow's caught on my bag and I'm shaking and it was just it was it was kind of a big mess at that point on on my end um, but I ended up, he ended up stopping in an opening about 42 yards and I tried to let an arrow go and it just made a God awful sound. And he kind of jumped out even farther to about 60 yards and he just stood there. And I don't know what happened to that arrow. Come to find out later on, um, with my bow being caught on my bag, hanging off the side of the tree, I actually ended up shooting that arrow through my bag and through my, uh, my case for my rangefinder. Um, but anyway, I'm watching you know, I'm watching him and he's just standing there and he's not moving, just standing there and he's looking back to where he got shot from. Um, and he never, he never once took off running. So he's, you know, he's at about 60 yards and he's walking out into that CRP field. I lose sight of him for a minute. And that's when I started getting on the phone. You know, my, my first call, uh, you know, I'd like to say it was my wife, uh, but it wasn't. It was actually to my brother. Nice. And, you know, I, I called him and he didn't answer. And I sent him a text and I said, pick up your, you know, <laughs> phone, uh, you know, maybe with a curse word or something in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, emotions are running pretty high. Oh, you wouldn't have been able so to understand me. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, would, it was, uh, you know, I got, a, I got a mouth like a sailor most of the time, so I try to keep it under control. Yeah, no, I, but, I get um, it, man. I'm the same way. So he, he didn't answer, and then my then my next call was to my wife, and and the first thing I said was, I just shot the biggest buck of my life. And she's like, you know, I'm I'm whispering, and I got you know phone up to my ear, and I'm still watching and talking to her for a minute, and I'm like, all right, I gotta go because um, he popped out again and I could see him walking and he gets to a break where it's a, uh, you know, a little bit taller, like some four or five foot tall CRP down to some like two, three foot. And I could see him I'm like, all right, I got to watch him see where he's going. So he starts, he's moving off kind of to the Northeast. Um, you know, again, I'm facing my tree and this was probably, you know, I, I, I put the shot time right at around five forty because there was probably just a couple minutes in between there between the first time you know, that I had picked up my phone and tried to call my brother. Um, so I put the shot time at like 5.40, and probably 15 minutes had gone by, and I, I can see him. He's probably out to 120 or so yards by now. Um, still walking, and he gets just to the base of a hill, and there's a there's a, a big high-crested hill uh, that kind of dips down to a little island of trees, and he's sort of heading towards that. He gets to the base of that hill, and I see him bed down. I'm like, this is great. All right, good, good, good. Um and you know, I'm the whole time I'm kind of I'm on my phone again. And I called, uh, another good friend of mine, uh, Jim and, uh, you know, I'm sending him some texts and I'm calling, you know, the, another good buddy of mine, Justin, uh, I'm on the phone with everybody and I'm kind of telling them real quick, like what happened. And everybody said, give him time, give him time, give him time. Like, okay. I can still see him. So I watch him until dark. And from that first bed, he probably bed down for about 15 to 20 minutes. He gets up, he moves, uh, I would say 15 to 20 yards more up that hill. And he beds down again, but only for about 30 seconds this time. And he gets up, he moves to another spot right at the crest of the hill and he stops and he just stands there. And he stood there for probably 15 minutes until it got, you know, too dark where I couldn't see anything anymore. Uh, so, you know, shooting time kind of ends and, uh, my first thing is, okay, I got to go the opposite direction. I do not want to bump this deer. He's probably, you know, if I make too much noise, he's really only out, not to mention he's downwind of me, uh, but he's only out 150 or so yards, 170 yards. Um, so I slip down out of the tree. First thing I do is I go to the shot site, the arrow, and I check out the blood spatter. There's, you know, decent blood, obviously liver blood on the arrow, a little bit of grit. So I know that I exited gut. Um, I look at the spatter and I know there is a chance that I might bring in a dog for this, you know, if, you know, worst case scenario. Um, so I'm not going to take up, I didn't even look for a speck of blood on where he went to check anything out else out. Cause I don't want to ruin that scent trail if that's what I got to do. <clears throat> so I dipped out, went straight down across the Creek, got out to the road, went back, um, you know, and I'm just sitting there just unbelievable at, at what happened. You know, I, I change out of my clothes. I put everything back in my bag. Um, just sitting there waiting. And, uh, my uncle shows up. I had, you know, he, he comes back into the driveway and he's, he could tell I just had this blank stare on my face and he's like, Oh, did you see anything? I, <laughs> I think I shot the biggest deer of my life. <laughs> and he's like, you're kidding me. I go, no, no, not at all. 
I'm pretty sure he's like, well, let's go get it. And I said, no, 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 no. We gotta, we gotta give this thing time. And, and from, you know, from the time that I got back to the truck and up until I did actually sleep a little bit that night, um, you know, I was on the phone talking to everybody. I had, I had talked to a tracker, um, sent him some pictures of the arrow. Um, I got on the phone with him, a couple of texts back and forth. And he had mentioned, you know, this, this is probably going to be a good recovery, but you got to give it time. And he mentioned about noon the next day. And I thought, okay, um, you know, that's pretty good. I'm definitely going to, going to sleep on it. I'm going to give it till the morning. Um, I, you know, given his advice, his advice was, was probably spot on. If I would have waited until noon, that deer would have been dead, but, you know, it, c- come the next morning, um, I talked to another another friend of mine that lived pretty local in the area. We've been discussing some hunting and stuff like that uh, throughout the season um, and before season. And I'm like, hey, I you know I think I shot one of the biggest tears of my life. You want to come help me with the recovery tomorrow? And so absolutely. So morning, I run up. Um, you know, I meet him at the gas station, pick him up, and we come uh, we come back to the area gather up all my gear you know i get my bow um you know you know take my quiver and all that stuff just in case i got to put another shot on this deer and he's not dead uh binoculars i grabbed a roll of toilet paper so that i could mark my you know the blood trail as we're going so that i can kind of see you know i I had a really good idea because i watched him obviously until dark which way he went but i wanted to follow that blood trail anyway yeah no that's just to kind of give give me a really good idea at, at, at what we're looking at right um you know, and I don't, I don't want to just go running into the spot where, where he was. So we yeah. started this track at probably about seven forty, seven forty-five that next morning, you know, given that's been, that's been almost 14 hours. Uh, by the time, you know, we tracked that 150 yards for over an hour. So by the time I got to this deer, it was 14 plus almost 15 hours that he was laying, laying in this spot, you know, we're finding decent blood at first, not great. Um, it got really, really spotty. I mean, we're looking for specks, specks after the first probably 70 yards of blood. Um, you know, taking us a while, taking our time, being quiet. We finally get to a spot. You know, I was looking for those beds that I had seen him in. Um, never really found them, never really found any big spots of blood where he'd bed down. Um, and we ended up losing blood, and we're just shy of that top crest of the hill at this point. Like, okay, this is probably where we're going to have to bring in a dog. You know, we've been doing a really good job of staying off that exact blood trail to where that deer traveled just in case we did have to bring in a dog. Um, I said, all right, we're getting close. I'm probably going to have to call this guy and see if he'll come out here. Like, let me just check over the top of the hill where I seen him last, see if he might be close by. If he's not there, we're bringing in the dog. So I got my bow in hand. And I walk up to the crest of this hill, and as soon as I get to the top of it, not 20 yards from where I had seen him standing the night before, he's laying on the ground. And I just, I mean, I absolutely lost it. Lots of curse words. Yeah, screaming, throwing <laughs> my hands up. And when I'm doing that, I look back, and this deer pops his head up. I'm like, oh, and I'm, you know, I'm giving the, you know, stop, stop, don't come run, don't go over here. I drop down to my knees, and I knock another arrow. I draw back on him. Um, he's right at 21 yards and you know, that was, if you look at those pictures that I've got, you can see that front brisket shot. Yeah. I that was, was just the, looking that at was, it. that was the finishing shot. Um, 
where he was where he was laying down that one and it stuck him right in the heart he got he as soon as that arrow hit him he jumped up and then immediately went down and i you know i couldn't see the deer but i could see the weeds where he was just kicking you know his last couple breaths of life and we just stopped there where i had shot and i'm like just wait a couple minutes just wait a couple minutes and, and then i eventually i just couldn't take it anymore and we walked down there and i finally put my hands on this giant and when i grabbed his rack i, I could not believe that at the at his basis i could not get my hands around him i mean you hear a lot of guys talk about uh you know soda can or pop can bases this is this is a true pop can base i mean you cannot fit your hands around the bases of, of the mass on this deer and i was just absolutely blown away i mean you, you couldn't you there was you could have kicked me as hard as you could and you wouldn't wipe the smile off my face when i put my hands on that deer it was just an absolute incredible moment oh man yeah i couldn't imagine it gives, gives me tears in my eyes thinking about it. i feel like i was there man i was sitting here <laughs> it's crazy i couldn't uh i just think back to uh times that i've got shot a deer with a bow and then the sleepless nights and then you, you know, I'm, I'm really glad, though, that you kind of took, um, you know, obviously it sounds like you didn't follow all the advice, but it sounds it was great that you took that advice and, and waited. And, and obviously, you know, that's something that you had learned in your hunting years, because so many people, I think, make that mistake of of getting out there. And once you bump a deer up and it runs two, three miles, which, you know, I've known a lot of people that are like, yeah, we found this deer six miles away. I'm like, well, I guarantee I know what you are doing. You say you backed out, but I guarantee I know what you're doing. Um, right. You know, so exactly. it's it's great because who knows what would have happened. I mean, you he might have had enough gas in the tank to get him somewhere he, where you couldn't find him. He may have. I, I, I knew, you know, the night that I shot him that this is not a deer that this is a deer that I want to recover. It's it's not one that I want to bump because I, I you know, obviously as hunters, we've probably all been through that before. Oh, yeah, where, for sure. Um, you know, you, you get excited and and you just you you want to go in and make sure that what you did was was decent enough that the deer is going to die and it probably is but if you bump that deer your chances of recovering that deer are slim to none i mean they, they reduced by 50 percent if not more um and, and and i knew being this caliber of a deer um that i did not want to do that so i had to play everything by the books uh, you know listen to the advice that everybody was giving me um, and not go after this deer. Could I have waited a little bit longer? Uh, you know, like that tracker had mentioned to me. Absolutely. And would that deer have been dead by noon? Yes. Yes, he would have. I mean, he was barely alive when I got to him. Not, not right. even enough me 20 yards away. I'm screaming and yelling. He's not even got enough gas to get up, but right, right. had I bumped him the night before or a little earlier or something like that, it, my, my chances would have been gone. Man, he was, yeah, I was, I was looking at those details of your hand and, and stuff and I was looking at the photo and I was just like, man, this ain't, this definitely isn't one of those photos I caught, you know, the fish in front of the camera type thing. I was like this, like, look at his hands, look at his like body compared to this deer. I'm like, there's like, that's crazy. He was, he was huge. And I'm actually got we'll put that picture for the, uh, you know, the posts and stuff we put out for the socials, but, um, so everyone knows what we're talking about, but man, I was definitely a buck of a lifetime. How did you feel like after you recovered? Well, obviously you, you know, we can't put it into words, but let's a couple of days after, I mean, are you still, you know, it's only been a few days. Are you still kind of in awe? Like, are you like, man, what am I going to do with myself now? Like what, what's kind of going know, through I, your head? Oh, I mean, 
endless, endless thoughts. You know, I mean, everything, everything from the point that we did actually recover that deer, you know, I was, I was thinking about all the things that I could have done different. You know, I was, for one, I was like, man, I, I really wish I would have brought my, my, my video gear and got that on video. But right. you know what, if, if I had, um, you know, things may not have been the same, you know, maybe I would have been trying to move that camera arm, get the camera on him. And I might've spooked him. Maybe never got a shot. You know, you can't, you can't think too much about what you should have done. Um, but you think about the things that you did and how you could do them better. Um, yeah. you know, listening a little more to that advice and, and I wouldn't have had to put, you know, a front, a frontal shot on that deer, although everything worked out great. You know, I could have listened to that advice a little bit better. Um, you know, I could have taken a little more time. I mean, we, you know, I shoot, I shoot league um, through, you know, a, a summer bow league. You know, we shoot for 10 weeks. Um, we're one of the highest scoring teams. Um, not saying anything. I'm just saying we all, we all, we shoot great. Right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, this, this isn't your first this day a, out shooting. This about. was a 14 or a 15 yard shot. It's something I could make, you know easily any day you put a $20 bill on it I'm going to make that shot but given the circumstances you know you got to be able to trust your abilities and, and you know I, I choked on the shot um, just being nervous for one like I don't want to screw this up and what do I do I screw it up <laughs> yeah well you know that that's one thing though it's it's the variables are so different I mean you can look at it and you know obviously this isn't an apples to apples here but you know when people shoot i always see people just like ripping them on the ground and they're like you know look at this robin hood and look at this grouping i'm like that's great man but are you shooting off the ground this year and they're like no i'm shooting a blonde or i'm shooting a tree and i was like i think you might want to get up in there and, and and you know put a dozen through or something not saying that you, it can't transfer because some people can transfer like that. I know plenty of people. I got a buddy competition shot in California and actually got into um, – he started out with pig hunting in California, but he got into bow hunting in his 20s. And, you know, he told me that – he was like, dude, he's like, when I was in the stand, I just assumed because I was so good – that you know i'd let it fly and everything was gonna be good he's like i didn't even think about angles i didn't think about movement i didn't right. think about them ducking world, and jumping yeah real world circumstances it For puts sure. it it puts an entirely new twist on 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 making a good shot um it does. you know you're, you're you're relaxed and in a, a familiar situation when you're in a range shooting versus being 20 25 feet up in a tree winds blowing your adrenaline is pumping like crazy your body's shaking um you know you're, you're in a different stance than you're normally in there's so many different variables um the shot is not going to be the same yeah you know so practicing those real those real life situations is probably something i'm going to do more of put myself up in a stand or um you know i i you can't, there's no way to, to really get that adrenaline going. Like when a, you know, a monster buck standing in front of you, it's, it's hard sure. to replicate that, but you know, do everything that you can practice a little bit more. You know, if you know, you ought to be out there practicing, go, go do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I got, you know, I, I had a rough year last year, just missing a lot of things. I, I switched over to doing more shotgun hunting and, and kind of took a break from bow. Not, not, not to really take a break cause I didn't enjoy it, but you know, down here in Florida, we had a lot more opportunities uh, for shotgun hunting. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to check these out, you know, waterfowl and, and, you know, slug gun and things like that. I was like, I'm going to check it out. And I tell you what, man, I was humbled so much by thinking, you know, Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty good bow hunter. I'm going to get out there and, you know, 
what's a you know what's a shotgun you know what's pulling a trigger that should be easy well i ended up getting humbled quick and you know my point to that was is now before i do any type of hunting even when i went to minnesota i got out there the week before and was throwing skeet because i was like you can't obviously you can't <laughs> control every situation but if you sure. can freaking limit like just one or two of those things, I know when I'm in a stand now, uh, I'll put the stand out right before season and I'll do the left to right like panoramic view of shooting. So I'll, I'll start here. I'll kind of turn my body real slow and I'll shoot the target. I started doing that because I found out every time I was in the tree, I was never getting to pull back and shoot. I was always having to hold and move left to right or right to left. So right, I was like, I need it. Right. Cause, and you don't realize those muscles, you know, you got those side muscles, the shoulder muscles, your neck muscles, your chest, you're, you're using all this stuff to turn and hold the weight. Um, and if you're not practicing that, I mean, there's some people that can get it done, but I'm getting a little older too. So I'm, uh, you know, those awkward, weird shots will give you a Charlie horse real fast. <laughs> they, they absolutely can. And, and they can, they can, they can really ruin the moment. You know, one of the things that I, I had started doing, um, just a few years back, you know, uh, uh, I'm the first one to admit I, I'm the king of high back shots. I've, I've had a, a couple shots like that on some really good bucks and unfortunately never recovered those. Um, you know, I, I get that buck fever. I get it. And I know a lot of guys do, but I'll get, you know, I'll get that adrenaline pump when a doe walks in front of me. Yeah. You know, if she's within range, I, I realized that I started getting that on every deer you know it just it just runs through me every i get excited when there's deer within bow range so what i started doing was on on, on a deer that i know i'm not going to shoot i would still get myself into that position i'd stand up i'd grab my bow i'd draw back i'd put the pin on that deer just as if i was going to make a shot on a shooter buck um, and i noticed that that helped me a lot um, you know, I don't get that mega buck fever where I, where I just can't control or almost like I black out in my mind and I, and I don't really know what's going on. And all of a sudden I pulled the trigger and, and made a bad shot. And I've noticed that's helped me a lot, you know, just practicing, like I said, practice that real life situation when you're in that situation, not just, you know, when you're on the ground in front of a target. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's, that's definitely great advice. And, you know, I know it'll help a lot of people because I hear the same thing, you know, and have done the same thing. Uh, me, I'm, I'm bad about shooting uh, under. I don't know if they like to jump on me or if it's just me, but I'm the same way, man. I get, I get crazy deer fever. Um, you know, even waterfowl hunting, I just, you get so hype and it's just, you know, any type of hunting, I, I just always enjoy, especially because now my time in the woods has to be more about quality than quantity. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things where it, it makes me feel good because there's been so many things I've personally done in my life where I did it too much and I got burnt out, um, whether it's a job or, you know, anything really, there's even been certain hobbies sure. where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a break. You know, but with hunting, it's like it's just that that thrill just keeps going, and that's when you know, like you're definitely, um, you know, you're definitely where you need to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't think I've, you know, I've had some bad situations being out in the timber um, or hunting, but you know, I don't think I've ever had a bad time. You know what I mean? It's it's everything out there can be a lesson you can learn. Um, from everything that you're doing out there, always try to make it better. Always try to adapt to different situations. Um, you know, everything about it is just, it's, it's incredible to me. You know, I, I, I absolutely live for it. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I used to work uh, a regular, you know, seven to three 30, I've worked construction all my life. Um, 
you know, I used to travel a lot. Um, you know, we build all over the, all over the nation, but, um, I was, I was always kind of disappointed when hunting season came around and I wasn't able to get the time off that I would have liked to. So, you know, about, uh, four, I think we're coming up on five years ago. Uh, I decided to start my own business, M- you know, mostly with the intentions to, to try something new. It's something that I always wanted to do, but I always wanted to be able to take off the whole month of November to hunt. And that was one of the biggest things that I've been able to do for the last five years is to be able to take that time off to enjoy that. Just go on a whole month adventure. I mean, that's, and it's been absolutely incredible. You know, I got to, I could, I could think of a million people for, for getting me into this, you know, into this spot where I'm at now where I can do that. Well, that's um, awesome, man. That's, but, that's but definitely being able awesome. to have that time and do that it is, it is incredible. And I've, I've absolutely loved every minute of it. No, that's, that's great, man. I I love to hear that. And, you know, I've had a few people lately on the podcast, it seems that kind of took that step and and made that leap to kind of do their own thing and, you know, make their schedule or, you know, at least get their schedule where it was a little more uh, in their favor. And and I love hearing that because I'm the same way. I'll work 60, 70 hours a week. Like it's nothing. I mean, I'm always, my girlfriend's always yelling at me like, Hey man, you know, put the phone down for a minute. You know, you're about to leave for a week long trip. Like you should. And I'm like, I understand it's, it's just, it's hard when you're, when you're grinding and working and things like that. And, uh, you know, I want to always make sure that value is always given to, to the people in service side. So I never want to let my foot off the gas because, you know, I just, I feel like when people are paying you to do something, you know, I definitely want to make sure I'm doing it. But also you got to find that balance of like, okay, well for your mental, you definitely got to get out there. And, you know, I've made it a point to start actually taking vacation and using it before I would use vacation and still kind of work and maintain. And now I've gotten sure. a lot better about it. And, and, and it's the small wins, you know, like I told my girlfriend, I'm like, it's the small wins it's me this past weekend literally just just glancing and make sure there wasn't an emergency and then putting my phone down you know like uh, letting people know if there is something that's dire you know shoot me a text you know and let me know and um, you know like she always tells me she's like trust me it'll be there when you get back I'm like I understand I just Right. I know yeah, how it's, it's I not, look down. Not going anywhere. Right. It, it, you know, and I just, I always, you know, I, I got that bad. She's like, you're the only one who thinks like that because I'm just bad about it. I'm like, well, I know, but I just, I want to make sure. And as much as I know everyone would understand, like, hey, it's hunting season, it's it's still hard. I'm trying to get more into that myself. And uh, I'm a year younger than you, so maybe I, that'll end up happening. But I get three weeks of vacation. But see, I'm more of a spring hunter. So, like, I actually take almost two weeks in the spring for me. My season's like two months here. So, you know, we're from March to May. So um, I do try to take it more of those uh, as opposed to the rutcation. But um, that's just my niche. But I, I have been getting better about Absolutely. doing it. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta chase your dream. What it's you you gotta do what's gonna make you happy, you know. And it's uh it's one of them things that you know I've I've, I've wanted to do essentially ever since I got started hunting and really started figuring out you know how November works and all the great times that are in November. It's like I I've, I've got to get a little more time than just a, a three day weekend. And, yeah, you know, I, I I feel like I'm, I'm I was always mad I'd get stuck at work like on let's say November 7th or something like that and a cold front's hitting. I'm like, I should be out there. 
yeah I'm, I'm missing a lot of the really good moments you know well, this, this work's not going anywhere it's going to be here so for sure yeah you're, you're exactly right but well, you got to get out there and chase those dreams if that's what you want to do well do you it. know it's if there's a will there's a way and that's what i'm starting to learn is like okay you know you know from my perspective uh schedule things differently get do more work where you schedule things ahead and you preset them and you kind of map out a structure for the times you're going to be gone that way even though you're gone unless it's an emergency no one really needs to contact you and if they do those are things that you can answer um you know at a later date um even with me and you you know we both were gone when we set up this podcast and we're both like hey we're both out this is what we're look both looking like for the next couple days let's reconnect next week it took us we were a three minute conversation we got it done and we were able to go you know continue with what we were doing so um definitely find it i'm glad you were able to do that man because look look what happened you killed a freaking giant do you know do you have an idea of what that scored or are you into that or anything or yeah so so we've we've got it unofficially scored um you know i gotta i gotta throw a big thank you out to um um Shane Edwards at uh, Southwest Archery. He's uh, we took him up there, made a phone call. He was in the shop. Uh, we took him up there. He scored a lot of deer, um, and he put him at one eighty eight and seven eighths. Nice. Um, and it was that was kind of my my gut feeling. I'm like, this is this is a hundred eighty inch deer from from the minute I saw him and when I talked to everybody that night. That's what I put him at. And uh, we it was it was funny whenever we pulled up. You know, I've got him on the trailer with the four wheeler. Um, we pulled up there and we go talk to Shane, go inside, talk to Shane for a minute. And, uh, he comes out and he's, he's, he's pretty modest about it. And he's, you know, he got a little smile on his face. You can tell it's a nice gear. And he goes, Oh yeah. And he goes, Oh yeah, this thing will go one sixties. And, you know, um, with my buddy Brett and we both just kind of look at each other and we're like, uh, okay, okay. I was like, I, you know, I've got, I've got several deer on the wall. I've got a 160 on the wall. I know what a 160 looks like. I'm like, this deer is bigger than 160. I know it. And he starts measuring it out. And he's, you know, he's got column one. And he's got column two. And he's going through. And he gets down where he's adding everything up. He adds up the first one. He adds up the second one. He goes, oh, man. He goes, this deer's a lot bigger than I thought. And he puts it up. Uh, yeah, he put it at 188 and 78. So I may... I may have it officially scored, um, and if I do, I'll absolutely put that out there. Um, hey, either way, man, it's 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 awesome to hear. And I'm not obviously, man. Don't get me wrong. You know, if I ever killed a 180 inch deer, I would 100 percent be like, oh my gosh, look at my 180 inch. So I'm not knocking it when I say this because I would totally do that. But you know, to me, I never got much into the number of it because it's like you said with the trying to describe the feeling that you had after you you know recovered this deer. To me, it's like that. It's like I didn't want to put all that feeling and all that emotion and work and everything that happened into just one number. You know, I, I and that's just my perspective. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I kill 180. I'll be the first one. It's gonna be like hashtag 180 on like everything. I'm gonna be like, hey, you want to see my 180? You know, like, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm an emotional person. I'm an emotional sportsman. And, you know, I'm I'm real big into, you know, even when I killed my first hooded merganza this weekend, I had like tears in my eyes. I was like, oh my God, I've always wanted to get one. And, you know, I finally got one and I was just so excited. And, you know, I, that's where I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing, man. And I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to recover them. And, 
freaking awesome story, especially because there's so much that to learn. And, and that's why I, I want to ask you a few more questions. We're about sure. roughly like 40 minutes into here. But um, obviously, man, it's, it's hard to spill all the secret sauce of what you did and stuff. But if you could just you give like a few, you know, one, two or three probably little things or, you know, slash big things that, that you did to help you be successful with this deer, obviously getting out there and things like that. But was there anything kind of specific that you feel like if you didn't do it, you probably wouldn't have gotten this deer? Wind, 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 and wind. Gotcha. Always, um, you know, wind direction, um, not only for where you're sitting at in the stand, um, but access. It, I, I, Firm believer, and that is probably the number one, uh, the number one aspect. If if you're going chasing after big mature deer, you have to have that wind in your favor. Um, I know for a fact that, you know, I've only got two stands on that particular property, um, and both of them are south winds only. Whether it's uh, southeast, southwest, either stand can be a little more favorable to southeast or southwest, but I knew, I knew this stand, um, was best on a south to a southwest wind for access and for sitting. Um, and that is the only time, obviously in November, regardless of the temperature, but that is the only times that I will go into that stand. So if, if for some reason it doesn't work out, um, to where that wind is not in my favor, I'm not going to push my luck and go in there. Especially if I know that there's, there's a good mature deer in there, because if they figure out that you're there once, odds are they're not coming back. Yeah, for sure. Especially one like him. What would you kind of guesstimate? Would you say how old he was? Um, I, I, I put him at six and a half to seven and a half. Um, so I, you know, uh, I dropped him off of the taxidermist, but I think I am going to have, uh, have him take and send that jaw off and try to get him aged but uh, i put him at six and a half to seven and a half i'm actually uh, so, so, pulling it up now to see what i think but i mean he's definitely a donkey i mean look at those ears mm-hmm. saggy chest there i mean he's a he's an old one i mean gosh look at the base of that that's crazy man he's got the i like how he has the crab claw on one side and then the other side is just a thick freaking no crab claw yeah, there it's, it's just thick it's, I mean, just unbelievable character to him. Yeah. Um, he ended up having 15 scorable points. Um, you know, on his on his left side, that that, that G3 kind of comes in. It's it's all flat, palmated, looks just like a dagger, like a knife blade. I mean, it was just he's. I, I'd never seen anything like it. Like I said, I've only had, we only got one picture of that deer, uh, and that was it. So. You know, I, I knew he was out there, and I knew he was somewhere within that area, um, but I surely wasn't expecting to see him at, you know, 5:40 on a Wednesday night at, you know, 75 degrees out. It was I know, just crazy, man. Uh, I used to always, and and, it may, and maybe I will, maybe in October. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily like hunting when it's 80, 90 degrees out. Um, but November, don't miss a chance in the stand if you can get out there in November you know, here in the Midwest, get out there because you're, you're not going to, you're not doing yourself any favors by staying at home. Yeah, no, for sure. I was, uh, when I was up in Minnesota with Greg, he's got a couple shooters on his property. And, um, you know, that's one thing we were talking about because, you know, I, I was getting ready to leave and it was the last day or whatever. My flight got canceled. I'm like, he's like, Hey, you know, I'll take you back out water. I was like, screw that, man. I'm like, you need to get into the deer stand. I'm like, I've already, 
you know, he's been looking at his, his cameras have been going off the whole time we're there. And, um, you know, he keeps looking and the buck's coming in at 5 a.m. Then the next day he's at 6 a.m. Then the next day he's at 6 a.m. I'm like, dude, and then we had the time change. I'm like, you need to get out there. I'm like, you're going to catch him right when the sun Absolutely. shooters light. I'm like, I'm telling you, he, he doesn't even care that we've been in there checking traps. Doesn't even care. So I'm like, you need to just go ahead and get in there and, and he, he has been he said he's been trying to get out there all week and you know we had that red moon i think it was like monday or something and uh he came at like six thirty five. he came on the camera and um, i told him like man just go go after him you know you can get the honkers later i'm like go right. go it's so warm that they're just now kind of pushing a little bit so i'm like i'd go ahead and and try to get them because they're you know they're also you got he's got a doe on the property and he's got both these bucks are just tearing up scrapes they're freaking um, you know, peeing everywhere. You'll see the doe, and then 15 minutes later, you're seeing the buck with his nose to the ground coming right behind her. I'm like, it's these steins are. It's like you know, God's telling you get out there. <laughs> you gotta get you out there. You absolutely need to get out there, and you know, you but, know do what you can to slip in there. You know, be as stealthy as possible. That's that's another thing that I've been working like really, really hard on over the last five or six years is. Um, you know, if, if you go in there and, and you're kind of being relaxed and lazy with, with your access, um, you know, you, you're not doing yourself any good. I've, I've had so many better hunts where I actually just take my time. You know, if I do start to sweat, I'll stop and I'll take off my bag, take off my jacket and I'll sit there until I stop sweating. Um, you know, just being quiet, staying low. Um, you know, just as absolute stealthy as possible, you know, like I'm slipping through a jungle in the middle of a war or something, trying not to get shot. I'm, right. you know, That's taking smart. it as serious as possible because, you know, I've, and I've had so many hunts where, where I've done that and I'll, you know, just really take my time, give myself plenty of time to get out there. Um, and I'll get up in the stand and I'll realize that, you know, I know I've done a good job when I've got a buck bedded 30 yards, 40 yards in front of me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll send my buddies texts all the time. I'm like, yeah, I got a, I got a nice 130 inch bedded 50 yards in front of me. It's like, I know I did a good job getting in there. If, yeah. if I get into the stand and I see things like that. For sure. For sure. It's, know, it's if, always if nice. You're bumping you deer, yeah. If, if you're, if you're bumping deer, you know, you're, you're not helping yourself. No. I mean, you know, it's, you can't do anything about it sometimes. Um, but do what you can, you know, don't be lazy about that. Yeah, no, that's that's something I've actually took notice. I, I think it's just you get in your, I don't know what it is, man, those late 20s and 30s, you just mind changes as a hunter when you've been doing it your whole life. And I'm the same way. I've really gotten, I've always been, you know, soft-footed, but, you know, I'm, I'm 6'5", I'm about probably 250 pounds, so I'm obviously not a small, small guy. So I'm like, when I'm lumbering through the woods, I'm like, everything and its brother can see you. I mean, even the crows are letting everything know where I'm at, and... I'm sitting sure. here like, you know, I need to get better about, you know, taking that height to my advantage, using it for a, a vantage point, but go to each tree, stop walking trails, start going from tree to tree to tree. So that's what I do exactly. now is, is walk to a tree, look around for a while, make sure I'm not sweating, kind of hang out. And it's like you said, almost like you're in war. It's like that old cartoon where it's like tiptoeing from tree to tree and it's trying to sneak up on you. Like that's, that's how Absolutely. I've been hunting. It takes a long time and I'm a I'm a go 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 kind of guy, so it's hard for me to. I want to just get there and get it set really up is. and be ready, but it really that's is. not the way you do it. Yeah, I find myself getting in a hurry so often. I'm like, man, just thinking to myself, like, just slow down, just slow down. You're gonna be better off if you do this. For sure. 
try to take try to take low spots if you can i'd love to i'd love to take creek bottoms you know if i can get into a creek the wind's good for it it's getting me to my to, to my stand you know i'll jump down in a creek and i'll take a creek nice and slow um you know like you said stopping behind you know i'll move a little bit and i'll stop because yeah you know that's what them deer are looking for too is movement so stop stop for a minute get yourself behind a tree and just look see if you see anything moving if you see them moving wait until they pass before you move again yeah, no, for sure. There's a guy in the in the club, uh, Adam Tucker. He's been on a few podcasts and has done some webinars and stuff. And he hunts those Georgia mountain bucks. And you know, that's kind of you know, as many times as I had him on, that was one thing I kept taking from it was he is a big, big, big time ground hunter, bow and gun. He rarely gets in a stand. He said he had a couple spots that the wind's right and he can put a stand up, but where he hunts, it just doesn't work out for him. Um, and he's his most successful on the ground. And I'm sitting here like, man, how are you like? I mean, I've done it before. I've killed deer on the ground but i'm like how are you like consistently killing these mature bucks on the ground and it came down to he takes his freaking time he's very very observant um he's very yeah. realistic so when he's walking through the woods he's not walking like a human he literally grunts and walks and steps on sticks and moves leaves around like he's feeding and he does this in my mind i'm thinking like i wouldn't even remember like which if I when's the last time I grunted and things like that, like as I'm walking through the woods, I would forget that. But he has a really good pattern of how he does it for his area. It's successful for him, and um, I've been trying that myself too, man. I just I think a lot of people do make that mistake. They run to their stand, and you know you could you, you can you can take that advice and use that you know anywhere you go because um, you know I've I've done the same things walking in in the dark. Um, you know I try to use I try to to go in in the dark, no light. Um, and I do, I'll do the same things, you know, I'll, I'll carry my grunt tube when I'm walking, you know, if I hear, you know, maybe that I, that I bumped a couple of deer, maybe I'll, I'll hit a, you know, step on a stick or make a loud crunch or kind of make it sound like it's four feet moving on the ground instead of two. And I'll, I'll hit that grunt tube, you know, it just kind of, it you know, maybe it's something that sets their mind at ease thinking, okay, that's not a predator coming after me. It might right. just be another deer. Um, you know, that's, that's absolutely great advice and you can use that anywhere. You know, it's not just wherever he may be hunting in the Georgia mountains. You know, you can use that in Illinois or Iowa or Indiana. Um, you know, that's great advice. You know, and that's one thing, you know, we've had, a, you know, you and Adam and John and we had Kobe on. He actually killed a buck, Kobe Straw, not too, uh, last year, I think it was, that was very similar to yours, just with that thick, tall, almost like a tall, more on the top than it goes out wide. Um, he killed a very similar buck last year in Pennsylvania, and that's actually what yours reminded me of. I was like, oh my gosh, they're freaking twins across the country, but uh, doppelgangers, but uh you know, that's one thing that you've all said, you know, the people that are putting these mature bucks down is, is, you know, whatever state, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Illinois, like one thing I've noticed is it's that constant, the small things are what matters over the big things. So even though they are big things, you know, paying attention to that wind, not risking hunting a stand, it sounds like when the wind's not in your favor, um, taking advantage of the moment you were working and somebody kind of goofed on you and was like, hey, get out there. And you went out there and was like, sure. And you did it. And you had the best hunt. I don't think I've never heard of someone tell me they've done a planned hunt and it and that was like the greatest hunt of their life. Like it's always been those ones where you get off work smelling like oil, you, you know, you're trying to cut wood, you're you know, visiting a family member and you end up going out behind the house or whatever. Those are always the hunts that I find to be where you get the just absolute freak deer <laughs> like what you got. Absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's definitely the, you know, 
you got to use some some strategy, but it's not necessary to have a hundred percent of it planned out. You know, I, I've, I've I've been huge on that. I've always tried to make sure I got everything I got. Make sure my scent control is on point. Um, you know, did I did I take my scent free showers or all the clothes that I'm going to be wearing washed? And, and I'll go through all that. Um, you know, and that's that's all great because that's that's part of the adventure too. Right. But um, you know, it, doing all that stuff is not going to guarantee you to. to you know, to take home a trophy or, you know, to take down a, a good mature buck. You know, sometimes it's just a, a matter of, you know, the situation's right and, and you got some of your stuff together. Go out and enjoy it. For sure, man. It definitely sounds like you enjoyed it. And I mean, I could hear the excitement in your voice when you were telling the story. And I'm so glad we were able to get you on the mic to, to really catch. I'm sure this is a story you'll remember the rest of your life, but it was so nice getting you definitely. on with it being so fresh and, uh, man, it's just that's exciting, man. I, uh, congratulations again, and I can't wait to see what the taxidermist does with it. Oh, absolutely. We're uh, I still got another tag to fill, so I'm actually uh, before we got on here, I've been packing up the truck. We are going on uh, our little public land extravaganza. We're gonna go. Nice. We're gonna go down and camp and uh, hunt some public ground for the next week, and hopefully get on another giant down there. So awesome man well i'll have some more pictures of a big buck to show well i heard you guys might be getting a little snow you're going to be up in illinois or are you going to be over in minnesota um so we were supposed to go do um a a couple day duck hunt up in minnesota um uh, being the time of year that it is this the next couple days is going to be some of the best whitetail hunting in the woods in illinois so i decided to pass on the minnesota I'm going after the Minnesota ain't again, going. But... Yeah, Minnesota ain't going to where you might as well ride that momentum because Minnesota ain't going to where I will. I don't want to. I don't want to play tug of war with your, your, uh, you know, devil and angel on your shoulder every here. Right. But I will say, when I was in Minnesota, the freaking waterfowl hunting was just absolutely sick because the wa- uh... the weather's so jacked right now. It's like one day it was 60 degrees the next day it was 12 then snow came through then we had 50 mile an hour winds i got back to florida and we had a hurricane that came through and i'm sitting here like the winds up there were worse than the winds down here and i'm sitting here like and then the next day you could hear a pin drop in the middle of a field um it was so freaking quiet and I will say the waterfowl hunting, but then again, man, that's that's one of those things where it's like I've, I've been hearing rumors that, you know, North Dakota and stuff, the the waterfowl has been kind of getting a little better in the Minnesota area because it, I guess they said it was like kind of dry or something going on over there. Or, um, they hadn't got much rain or something. That's at least what I had heard. So my buddy told me that right. that, that yep. Minnesota area was really uh, getting the good end of the stick there sure sure but hey you can do it you can do it again next year man if i was you after killing that nice buck i'd be riding it too because for all you know you might get one even better <laughs> i mean i i think it's going to be a hard one to beat maybe <laughs> some time but you know i'm surely not going to give up that fight I'm you know what's funny man him, so. it, i love i love uh, i always hear the crazy you know i don't know if it's social media or because working in the industry but i always hear like you know too much pressure there's no big deer all the big deer are gone i'm sitting here like there's two things i think of i think one there aren't as many hunters as there were back in the day because people don't have to hunt to survive you know i tell a story all the time of my dad um he did not like hunting and he was not forced but pretty much forced to hunt as a kid because you know that's you know you were all filling tags i was you know if you had sons in the family everyone was hunting um he didn't even have you know his uh sister out there hunting and 
Um, you know, it was one of those things where you had to. Now you don't. And then another thing is people like you still freaking dropping monsters. And you guys only seen them one time on camera. So it's not like you've been watching this deer forever. Um, no. You know, so. It's, uh, I mean, we're, every year that we go out there, we're, we're educating those deer. So along with us getting smarter on what they're doing, they're getting smarter on what we're doing too. So there's, there, there's giants that are still out there. Um, I, I think those, those deer are just getting a little bit smarter to everything that we're doing as well. So yeah, no, you I just got to be able to, you got to be able to outplay them. You yeah. got to think one step ahead or two steps ahead of what they're doing. And trust me, they're, they're well far ahead of, ahead a lot of a lot of people. So for sure. Well, your life gotta... doesn't depend on killing them, but their life depends right. on surviving, you know? So that's a Absolutely. whole different, they are a survivalist. So you got to think like a survivalist when you're out there. For sure, man. Well, kudos again, man. And uh, kind of how we end these episodes, we had a few takeaways, but if you could pull one takeaway from this episode to leave with our listeners, uh, what would that be? Um, I would say, um, you know, just, just get out there and enjoy it. Don't, um, if, if, if that's what you want to do, don't make excuses. You know, like you said, uh, you know, all that work and, and that stuff, it's always going to be there. But if, you know, if you really want to get out there and you think you should be out there, get out there and enjoy it. Whether you take home something or not, whether you fill a tag or not, just get out there and have a good time with it. Enjoy the adventure. Enjoy the hunt. Enjoy everything about it. Um, you know, try to learn something from that, not just uh, not just learning how to take home a trophy. Uh, that's, a, that's a great takeaway, man. And um, last thing we got here, we'll wrap this bad boy up, but where can our listeners reach you if they have any questions or they'd like to check out more of your socials? or? Um, so um, we're on, I'm on Facebook, just under Josh Dixon. Um, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty much it. You can Solid. My, my business page is on there as well. Uh, not that anybody's looking for a contractor, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> well if you're looking for a good contractor that also drops monster deer he's your man <laughs> i'm the one that's me. nice well we'll definitely put that stuff in the show notes man and, and again thanks for jumping on so soon and taking the time and i hope you i hope you lay down some more or at least you guys have a really good time out there i mean hunting public land um and, and actually staying out there and stuff is, is such a good experience and if you guys it's have awesome. never hunted you know don't get me wrong i do all types of hunting i've hunted in heated blinds i've hunted in everything i've hunted in snowstorms in a stand that you're literally like terrified that it's going to fall through in the, any second and, and one thing i've noticed is man when you get out there on that public land it just doesn't matter what's happening like just that being unplugged and just you know enjoying enjoying nature at its finest it's just it's it's some of the best hunting i think i've ever experienced absolutely you, yep you, you nailed it there it's um <laughs> It's, it's, it's a different experience. You know, you get a little spoiled doing, um, you know, hunting private ground. Uh, and I, and I, and I am fortunate enough to do that, but, uh, I really enjoy the challenge of, uh, of getting out there just, you know, being with a bunch of good guys and camping for a week and exploring and scouting and, you know, getting the, you know, we're, we're going out to a spot. We don't have any cameras, so we don't know what's out there. You know, there could That's be a giant awesome. out there for us. I love that, man. That 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 makes it even better because you know what? There's no expectation, but there's also no Absolutely. like perspective. Like you just go and what happens happens. You all might end up taking something home, and that place might not have nothing. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure the way things are looking though, I think that this week, um, just from all the people I talk to all over the country and just everything that's happening with the weather, 
I, I encourage everyone if you, if you can get out starting literally today until next week, I would I would definitely be trying to freaking capitalize before Thanksgiving week because I got a feeling that there's going to be some some good hunting these next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just had a major cold front come through here today. It just looks like it's sticking around for the next two weeks. You know, highs in the 40s down to the 20s and teens at night. So, oh, yeah, that's perfect. If you can get out there, get out there. It's a good time. Nice. Well, Josh, thanks again, man. And uh, you guys are listening to White Tilt Theories podcast.